You know, the war of life is fought in large part in the battlefield of that thing that's in between your two ears. It's called the brain. There's a lot of stuff that goes on in our thought life that really comes out in different ways. And I want to talk about our thought life today as it relates to how we can either be beautiful or ugly in our, in our interactions with one another. The things that we do, our actions, our motives, our words, all of those things have its beginnings, have its origins in our thought life, the things that we think. So as human beings, we're inclined to be wired, I believe, for negativity, worry, doubt, and fear. It seems like there's very few people that have an approach of a glass half full sort of outlook. I think the longer also that we live, the more that sort of outlook tends to kind of be beaten down out of us because of just things in life. It seems that our default goes to not necessarily the good and the helpful and the positive or the joyful things, but the things that are, well, kind of ugly, like, like the shirt that I'm wearing here today. But God can rewire our thoughts, and He can rewire us to thoughts of peace and the thoughts of hope and the thoughts of love and kindness and joy if we let Him. And that's what I hope that we can somehow walk out here with, at least to say, Lord, I want to be like that, and I need you to help me to be more like that rather than the way that I am. Um, I don't know if maybe some of you have had your house rewired or if you know how that works, but you know, if you live in a home that's kind of older and sometimes the little bugs and rats get behind the walls of those older homes and they chew up the wires or sometimes the wires just get frayed because of different reasons and sometimes you've got to get your house rewired. They're not up to code and it's just time to get rewired. The same goes with our with our lives, you know? Sometimes we just need to get rewired. We need to the master electrician, Jesus Christ, to come and just take all that old stuff out, you know, and get us rewired with some good stuff that's not going to burn up and fray and cause damage in our lives and damage around us, to those around us. I, I think it'd be good for us to give God permission to work within us in, in every area of our lives. Uh, in our thinking, when we make conscious efforts to focus more on the good things and, and less on the bad things, it's going to help us in our goal and desire to not make just Christmas more merry and bright, which is kind of seems to be our unattainable goal all every year. Merry and bright. It's going to be a happy, merry Christmas. But, uh, and that's not a bad goal to attain, but not just at Christmas time, but I hope that maybe throughout the year that we can make our year merry and bright as we rewire the way that we think and consequently not just us but those around us that we impact and we can influence for the cause of Christ. So as you saw in the video, today is our first Sunday of a four Sunday series that I'm entitling The Ugly Christmas Sweater and we're gearing up for the Christmas season. Now as you uh, maybe have done before, maybe there's, you have a tradition like a lot of people who have maybe these festive parties with friends and family and their whole idea is to choose the ugliest, most obnoxious Christmas sweater, the most gaudy Christmas sweater that they can absolutely find. And this part of this party usually involves all kinds of trappings of people sipping on hot cocoa and munching on some Christmas goodies while looking as goofy as possible with these funny Christmas sweaters. It's really kind of become a, a cultural phenomenon. I remember a few years ago we were watching, Kelly and I were watching Shark Tank, and uh, I mean, it was about Shark Tank, that show. It's an interesting show. I just love it. Uh, and we, we watched it a few years ago, and there was these guys that came in with sweaters much more gaudy than the, this that I'm wearing, and they were trying to pitch their ugly Christmas sweaters to the sharks. And I thought to myself, they'll never get a deal. Who wants to do that? But sure enough, they got a deal. Uh, 
some one of the sharks decided that they thought that was a really great idea. It turned out to be a really great idea because uh, that thing has just exploded, that company. And now they're you know, selling in uh, millions and millions and millions of dollars worth of this sort of stuff and, and worse. And uh, as, as, as they say, the rest is history. Uh, but not only are there a lot of people that are buying these ugly Christmas sweaters and wearing them and, and, and walking around in these, in these parties and such, they're wearing ugly Christmas sweaters. They're also, a lot of people are choosing to clothe themselves with ugly attitudes to go along with those sweaters. There's a tons of people out there doing it. We see it all around us. And it's not just at Christmas time. It's really throughout the year. People, uh, it seems that they're becoming uglier and uglier uh, out there. Uh, it's amazing to me at how awful people can be, especially during uh, this season as you see them fighting over those uh, very precious uh, car parking spaces at the malls on Black Friday. They'll maneuver to get in before someone else and uh, they'll fight over those Black Friday deals. As the doors open up, people are tramping all over each other to get that special thing that there's only a few of at the discounted price. And, Maybe they're competing for the best holiday yard decorations. My decorations are better than yours. And they also act ugly and hateful around the Christmas dinner table. And it just gets ugly, ugly, ugly all throughout the Christmas season. Christmas is meant to be a time of joy and a time of happiness based on the birth of our Savior Jesus. Let's not forget that this is all fun and all of that. We can kind of goof around a little bit, but... I just want to remind you again that Christmas is all about the birth of our Savior and Lord, um, the Savior of the world, precious baby Jesus who grew up to become the Savior of the world and He's not going to come back as a baby the next time. He's coming back as the King of all kings and the conquering Savior. Amen? But too often this fact gets lost in the ugly thoughts and words and motives and actions of this holiday season. This Christmas though, I want to encourage you as we are past Halloween now, thank goodness, and now, and now we're gearing up to Thanksgiving, which let's not let that get lost in the, in the equation, but you can see how Christmas is just starting to really become, you know, the thing that we're focusing on. So let's, let's, let's change it this Christmas. How about let's approach this Christmas uh, c- celebrating Jesus better than we ever have in the way that we think and in the way that we speak and in the way that we live towards the people around us not a bad goal. Amen. So this first week, I want us to focus on our thoughts because our words and actions originate internally before they're expressed externally. It starts in the mind. And if we can catch them, if we can take them captive, or it's like how Barney Fife, uh, if you're familiar with Andy Griffith, we set up a checkpoint chicky or <laughs> we, we create some guardrails, some parameters as, we, as, the, as these thoughts come in to visit our minds, then we have a good chance as the Holy Spirit helps us to rewire our thoughts and to help us live lives of joy and blessing. We can look at these inevitable challenges. They're going to come. These opportunities, really, it's not so much things that we have to endure, but I want to, I want to ask you if you just look at them as more of opportunities when we do face it. Not if, because we will face these things. When we face these challenges with strangers and loved ones alike and everywhere in between, where we just go, ah, oh, like this in our minds. Instead, let's consider the opportunities to make us more like Jesus to those around us. Because isn't that our goal? Is that we would be Christ to those around us. 
As we gear up for the holidays, let's not just brace ourselves in a defensive posture and just try to hunker down and barely make it through, but let's go on the offensive and let's let these teachable moments in our lives make us more like Christ and certainly a whole lot less like us. Let's work on being joyful and grateful and patient and kind and all the things that are the fruit of the Spirit of Christ. How does that sound? Yeah? So here, let's talk about this for just a, my first thing that I want us to look at is I mentioned it a moment ago about rewiring ourselves, that those frayed, chewed up wires that need to be uh, looked at. Uh, rewiring our minds can be a tricky thing. Um, it's really a difficult endeavor, and you may even think that it's impossible to ever change, but I'm here to say this morning that it is possible to change and rewire our minds. In fact, it's necessary to experience this transformation that we're talking about today. The only way that we're really going to be able to do it is if we do rewire our minds. So let's talk about what that looks like as far as how do we rewire our minds. One of the most difficult parts of Christmas each year is when we pull out old Christmas lights. You ever done that where this ball of, ball of, how do they get tangled up on their own? I don't know in the, in the, in the, in the 12 months or in the box, but you pull them out. And there's just one giant ball of lights. You think, where do you start? How do you get this thing untangled? And invariably, you'll plug it in once you get them untangled, and they don't work. <laughs> and if you know what I'm talking about, there's some that are kind of nice because they don't break the chain. But some of those old Christmas lights, if one light bulb doesn't work, guess what? Ain't none of them working, right? So you have this big old string of lights that you can't wait to hang up and do something with. But what do you got to do to make it work? Go to each and every light bulb and make sure that each one of them works. And finally you find it. You know? It never fails. There's always going to be one bulb out. And just as that is a tedious task of untangling that ball and planting all the lights and going through each one of them, oh, here it is. It can be just as tedious and daunting to do that for us. And so we just tend to say, well, I'm not sure I want to do that. And here's what we do. We say, well, that's the way I've always been. Or I'm Italian. <laughs> or I'm Irish. Or, you know, we throw some ancestry to it. That's the way my grandma was. Or that's, you know. No. Stop excusing it away. It can be done. Does it take work? You bet it takes work. And that's why a lot of us just say, I think I'll just try to just kind of make it through here. And I am, I am who I am. Right? But... We, ask that, we have to ask the question, how do we overcome those years of formulating the way that we think and really those default places where our mind tends to go? How do you find those burned out bulbs, in other words? And I'm so thankful that we have a resource that we can go to. What is that resource? It's called the Bible. In fact, if you look at the Bible and the way that Jesus is described, in fact, we just sang about it, all our hope is in you, all our hope is in you, God, the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world, and that begins with the light of our lives, and he illuminates those areas in our life that are dark, and he, he's, he's, he can shine in the truth and, and, and the place of healing and his personality qualities, and the fruit of his spirit can start rising up in us as we allow his light to shine on those areas that we just kind of tend to ignore and think that we'll never be able to change. I'm so thankful that His Word is a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. And He can help us to show us how to rewire our actions for the good. The Bible is really our instruction manual for life. You've heard me say this before, but if you've got a red light going off on the dashboard of your car, what are you going to do? You're going to go to the owner's manual, aren't you? 
and find out what does that light mean and what can I do to get it off and fix it. That's what the Bible is to our hearts and to our minds and to our lives. We say, there's this light going off. I don't like it. I keep doing this. I keep saying this. I keep thinking these things. I don't like it. So we go to God's Word and say, all right, Holy Spirit, show us what this looks like so that I can make those adjustments. And I can't do this in my own strength, but you can help me. In fact, I like how Paul said this. And if you will turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 4, this is really our, going to be our text this morning. Because when you think about our thoughts and our actions, the two are, are forever connected. You're going to have thoughts and you're going to have actions as a result of your thoughts. And your actions are going to be because of your thoughts and your thoughts are going to interact with your actions. It's, they go hand in hand. And Paul realizes this as he writes to the, Philippi, to the people in Philippi. And he wrote this out in, in Philippians, this letter to them. With some important instructions, not just for them back then, but for us today. Philippians chapter 4. Starting in verse 4. It says this, and I would love for you to read this first line with me all together. Say, rejoice in the Lord always. Would you say that again? Rejoice in the Lord always. Would you say it louder one more time? Rejoice in the Lord always. And then he emphasizes it by saying, and again, say, I will say, rejoice. So he's, he's underlining this. He says, just in case you didn't quite catch that, again I say, rejoice. There's an old song we used to sing, rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. And then we did it in the round. Remember that one? That was a lot of fun. It was just a way to remind us. And it kind of made, and even if I say that, you see how you start laughing and smiling? It's like, yeah, that was a fun song. That made me happy. It helps us to remind ourselves of who the Lord is and how we can rejoice in Him. And then he continues by saying, let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I love how Paul gives us a command in the very first verse. In fact, the very first word, he says, rejoice. Would you say that with me one more time? Rejoice. Say it again. Rejoice. Turn to someone and say it. Rejoice. You see, God is familiar with all of the reasons why, why we would be able to grumble, complain, and be frustrated. I can give you a list, and I know you can give me a list of the reasons that we have to grumble and complain and be frustrated. They experienced it back then when Paul wrote to them, and we're no different today, right? These grumbling and complaining and frustrating feelings affect our thinking. And they make us anxious, and they make us jaded, and they make us question God, and they make us want to give up. And all of this begins in our minds. However, Paul offers a method of rewiring. He encourages us to what? Rejoice in who? Say it with me. Rejoice in the Lord. How often? Always. Rejoice in the Lord. Always. Rejoice in the Lord. Always. As we do that, it rewires our minds. Even in the midst of all the reasons that we have to be ugly. I'm not saying that they don't exist. We can choose, though, instead to rejoice because of the Lord. How many is thankful for Jesus Christ this morning? We have a reason to celebrate. We have a reason to rejoice in Him. So rather than be anxious, bring these reasons of anxiety to the Lord in prayer because the Bible says that He, draw near, he draws near to us when we pray. Deuteronomy 4, 7 says it this way. What other nation, what other people, what other believers, what other people like us today is so great 
as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near to us whenever we pray to him. Did you know that he draws near to us when we pray? He's like, oh, someone's calling my name. Someone's needing something. Someone's crying out in despair. Someone is, is wanting to engage with me. And he says, I'm going to stop whatever I'm doing right here because my child is talking to me. He draws near to us. And so we say, Lord, I'm frustrated. I'm anxious. I'm weary. I'm jaded. I'm this. I'm that. He says, I get it. Rejoice in me. I understand. I can't make those things necessarily go away. In fact, those are opportunities that I'm actually putting you in your life to help you to be more like me. So what must you do? Rejoice in me. Rejoice in me. Give thanks. Be thankful for me. In this situation, there's an old song that says it this way. In my hour of struggle, so many times I've found he's as close as the mention of his name. Just to breathe the name of Jesus can turn everything around. He's as close as the mention of his name. Just say the name of Jesus. Whenever you're in anxious times and struggling, just say the name of Jesus. Just, just whenever you're frustrated and whenever you're wanting to feel ugly, just say the name of Jesus. There's no need to struggle alone. Jesus is our refuge, the Bible says. Jesus is our strength. The Bible says he's a very present help in trouble, in our struggles, in our situations. When we're wanting to feel ugly, when we're feeling anxious, we call out to him. And he's a very present help. He's our refuge. He's our strength. As we call on him and we let him walk with us, through, and, and he takes us captive, he can help us take captive those ugly thoughts. And we can pivot instead to rejoice in him. I'm going to rejoice in you most of the time. No, I'm going to rejoice in you some of the time. No, I'm going to rejoice in you always. And again, I say I'm going to rejoice. It's telling myself. I'm willing myself to rejoice. I'm commanding myself to rejoice in him. See, joy is the root and joy is the fruit of the word rejoice. It's not only the root of the word, it's the fruit of it. How many wants joy in your life more than ugliness? Yeah. Paul even offers a promise when we do in our text. He says, if we rejoice in the Lord, he says, the peace of God is going to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. So I ask you this question, how different might your life be and my life be if we all begin with the reasons to rejoice rather than focusing on all the reasons for frustration? It's our choice. It really is. There are reasons to be frustrated. Amen? Yeah. Yeah. But there's also reasons to rejoice, right? So here's the thing. Where we choose to start is going to determine our destination. If we choose to start in being frustrated, it's going to turn into ugliness. If we choose to start with rejoicing, it's going to help us to have a better journey. I don't know about you, but I want to have a better journey. How about you? Yeah. This one little tip from Paul to rejoice can be like a single light bulb that causes everything else to properly work on that string that's our lives. Then Paul continues with this whole thought life approach by saying in Philippians 4.8, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right and pure and lovely and good of, good, of good report, if there's anything excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. I don't know if you remember a few months ago I shared this passage in a message that I talked about getting rid of the tagalongs and instead focusing on the whatsoever. Do you remember that one? Yeah. How you been doing with that? See, this is just a reminder message today, isn't it? 
In this passage, we're giving clear direction as to where our thinking and mindset should go. Instead of going to the ugly, instead of going to the anxious, instead of going to the frustrating and the hateful and the unkind thoughts, which is, by the way, is what our flesh is wired as a default to do, because we're all born in sin. We're all born in that way to think. Instead, God's Word encourages us to focus our thoughts on whatever is true and noble, right, and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and trustworthy. Uh, that's a great list. And I can look at that list every day and never be 100% being able to attain that. But at least I want to work towards it. How about you? I'd rather have that list than the other list to work on, to focus on. So let your mind focus on, on those things, the whatsoevers, and not the ugly stuff. Of all the things during Christmas, I want to ask you, think about this. What is the most true thing that you can think of at Christmas? What's the most noble? What's the most right? What's the most pure? What's the most lovely? What's the most admirable? What's the most excellent and the most praiseworthy? You may be thinking, well, uh, uh, the tinsel and the lights and the decorations and the food and getting together with family, those are all great. But I want to ask you, what is the most beautiful Christmas sweater that you can focus on at Christmas? If we could discover this one thing, this one main thing, that, that, that starting point that will help us get us to where we need to go, that main thing that it, it, it's going to maybe transform our ugly thoughts into something beautiful, it, it's going to maybe then take our thoughts that are beautiful and move them into some actions. But, but in order to do this, we have to be, think differently than we have up to this point. So what is that one main thing? The main thing. I, it's in Luke chapter 2. It's the main thing is found in this Christmas story in Luke chapter 2. On the night that baby Jesus was born, there were these shepherds. You know the story. They were out in the fields keeping watch over their flock by night. And this angel, the Lord, came and, and, and revealed this miracle, unfolded this miracle uh, to them. It starts in verse 8 of Luke chapter 2. It says, In the same region there were some shepherds staying out in the field and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for behold, I bring you what? Good news. Behold, I bring you good news. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. For today in the city of David, there's been born to you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. You know the most true, the most noble, the most right, most pure, most lovely, most admirable, most excellent, most praiseworthy news that the world has ever known is brought to these lowly shepherds in the field that night. It was what the angels called good news or good tidings. We call it the good news of the gospel. That's the main thing. The good news is the main thing on which we can focus our minds and our thoughts. The good news. All the rest of this stuff is just trappings of the season. But the focus that we can bring our minds to, 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 to dwell on and to rest in is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus was not just a good man who did good things on this earth, as some people would say. He wasn't just a wise prophet who told some really cool parables. And he certainly is not a swear word. Jesus Christ is my Savior. He is God's Son. He's the King of all kings. He's the Lord of all lords. He lived a perfect and sinless life. He died this gruesome, sacrificial death for the sins of all mankind. He's the Savior of the world. And He's our soon-coming Redeemer. That's the main thing. 
This good news was worth, was worth rejoicing about and keeping at the forefront of not only the minds of the shepherds on that life-changing evening, but it's also ours as well. You know, the Jewish people were waiting for hundreds of years for a Messiah. If you read the, the Bible, the prophets kept telling about it, kept telling about it, and he showed up finally on that beautiful Christmas night. Someone who would come and free them from the bondage of the Roman government, as well as the bondage of sin and death. And I'm so thankful that that time has finally come in the person of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. I don't know who wrote this, but I'm glad that they did. It said this. They, they wrote this. It says, if our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness. So God sent us a savior. Amen? Our greatest need has always been to receive forgiveness of our sinful state and a chance at a new life. The birth of Jesus was the good news and we can receive that today. This is the singular reason Christmas is the most wonderful and an important time of the year. I hear Andy Williams sing, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Oh, I would love to have a Christian version of that and say something about because Jesus is risen and we are saved, da 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 you know? I mean, just that's the most wonderful time of the year and that's why it's the most wonderful time of the year. It's not because of Santa Claus. It's not because of Rudolph and his red nose saving Christmas once more. He came through again last year, and I'm sure he'll come through again this year. All these presents that are around the tree, all the other trappings of the season. It's, it, it's not any of that, it's be, but it's because of the greatest gift that this world has ever known. The birth of a baby, not just any baby, but the baby, capital B-A-B-A-Y, Jesus Christ, who is God's Son, who came near to us in the flesh. The book of Psalm offers us a clear way to keep this thought as the main thing during the holiday season as well. It says in Psalm 103, verse 2, Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. You know, the writer is reminding himself to be grateful. And sometimes we need to remind ourselves, don't we, to be grateful. He's telling his soul to praise the Lord. He's, he's rewiring his mind towards the things of God. See? He's keeping himself from being an ugly Christmas sweater by remembering, by, by reflecting, by, by counting all of his benefits. Don't forget his benefits. Don't forget the things that he's done for me. Don't forget the, 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 the things that he is in my life. So I ask you what benefits, what gifts, what things has God brought you this year? Because the fact is, is that gratitude produces joy. If you're thankful and you're grateful, it's going to produce joy. Now, sometimes we think that once we get all the things that we want, that we're finally going to be joyful. But we won't. Sometimes we think once things go our way, then we can be joyful. But we won't. This is all backward because there's people all over the world who have more than enough things and they're still miserable. Why? In part because they don't have Jesus and they're not grateful. They're not grateful for the things they need to be grateful for in Christ. 
When you're grateful, your gratitude is going to produce joy in you. And we can have more continual joy in our hearts. So how can we do that? We have to become good at reminding ourselves of all, the, of all of God's blessings in our lives. And, and the Holy Spirit can help us with that. Just call on the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, I, I, I need you to help me to be the glass half full kind of person. To think on the good things. To think on the whatsoevers, you know. We have to keep it right before us. Right in front of us. And find those practical ways to influence our thoughts towards being grateful before those ugly thoughts. Those ugly, those ugly sweater thoughts <laughs> become ugly words and motives and actions. God knew of, of people's inclination to be negative and grumpy and ugly, so he reminded his people in the Old Testament to keep the good things in front of them. If you look at Deuteronomy chapter 11, maybe a familiar scripture to some of you, starting at verse 18, it tells, he's telling his people to do this. He says, fix these words. Fix these words. In other words, these promises, these, these good news things, these, these reasons to be grateful, these whatsoevers. Fix these words of mine in your hearts and in your minds. Fix them. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads and teach them to your children. And, take, and I want you to talk about them when you sit at home and, and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. In other words, all the time. Let it be a thing that's continued. I will bless the Lord at all times and His praise shall continually be in my mouth. It's this constant at rejoice in the Lord always. It's that sense of I'm going to remember your good things all the time. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. In other words, surround yourself. Be intentional with putting these things somewhere where you're reminded of God's goodness and His promises and His blessings and the reasons that we have to be grateful. I love how God says to fix them. This kind of has a permanent sound to it, doesn't it? You ever, you ever put some sort of sticker on, or, uh, on an item, whether it be, uh, you know, on your car bumper or maybe somewhere in your house? You put some sort of sticker somewhere which has some sort of saying, you know, vote for whoever or, you know, whatever you got going. Have you ever tried to remove that sticker after a while? Ugh, yes. Boy, I tell you what, that stuff's hard. That glue works good, doesn't it? Man, it works good. And it makes it really difficult to get that sticker off. Even if you're successful, though, what happens? There's this residue that remains, isn't it? You got the sticker off, but now you got that gooky stuff that just will not let go. And it reminds you of what used to, what used to be there. You can see the outline of it. Oh, yeah, I remember that sticker. That's what I'd like to have happen to us, in fact. I'd like us to get God's good things, those good thoughts, those promises, those whatsoever, so ingrained in us that even if we try to forget them, even if we allow other things to take over, even if life happens and we drift away from, from those things into ugliness, that there's always going to be this residue of God's good things that's going to remain there to remind us. Oh, yeah, I remember that. I do remember that. I'm going to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I remember what used to be there. That residue reminds me. You see how that's going to become a lifestyle for us? Just as we can choose to have a lifestyle of pessimism and a bent towards being ugly and negative, we can also choose to bend towards those good things given to us in God's Word. Place scriptures around your house. Talk about them to one another. Keep them close by. I'm going to brag on my Kelly for just a few moments here. And I know she doesn't like me to bring her up, but I'm going to brag on her. In our home, she has placed scriptures all around the house of 
of God's goodness, of God's promises, of, of, of praising Him. It, it, redirects, it, it redirects me to them whenever I see them. It, it really creates this atmosphere in our home of, of, of worship and thanks to God. And I, I just love how she's, how she's made that intentional. And it's through those intentional things of gratitude towards God that our hatefulness and ugliness can be bent more towards love and Christ-likeness. I'm also really grateful to Kelly about how she's always made Christmas so very special for our family. Um, you know, she works overtime to make sure that we all have special Christmases. She's been consistently that way throughout the years that, that I've known her. I've seen her sacrifice year after year so that others can enjoy being blessed, uh, not just at Christmas, but really throughout the year. And I love the look on her face whenever the grandkids open up presents or whenever someone's doing something, you know, that, that you've done something special for. Just to, to, I love to watch her watch them because I see the joy that it brings to her life. I, I'll never forget... Um, you know, so I used to live, let's see, I'm getting my bearings here. This is I-77. So just on the other side of I-77, when we first started dating, um, I lived in a little condominium back there and it was around Christmas time. And I'll never forget you know, on Selenese Road, for those of you who've lived here long enough, there used to be a food lion there where now, uh, uh, it's right there on the corner of India Hook and Selenese, that shopping center back there used to be a food lion. I don't know what's back there now, but it used to be a food line. And we went there um, right before Christmas, and we got us a live Christmas tree. And I remember, you know, I, I had a little, little condo. I didn't have anything going, you know, there as far as decorations. But you saw, you got excited about it. You saw the, you saw the, the joy that was produced in you. And as you thought, oh, I'm going to get that place decorated, and we're going to have a great Christmas. And she just went to work, you know. And I just watched her not only get the Christmas tree, but also saw her buy all these cute Christmas decorations and, and all of that. And we put that tree up and decorated it that Christmas uh, season. And I will never forget how excited she was to give that to me and to do that for us and to just bless. Uh, I, I think she did it because she was trying to give me a down payment for getting married blackmailing me. I don't know what she was trying to do. Smooth talk me. I don't know what she... No, 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 no. No, not at all. She did it because she's a giver. She did it because she loves to give. And that's the kind of person that she is. And that brings her great joy. She was so excited on that Christmas to do that for me. And I was just blown away. And it was such a beautiful tree. And I thank you for that. I'll never, for, never forget it. And, and, and so that's really her. And that's part of only one of many, many reasons that it makes me so grateful to God uh, for God blessing me with Kelly these last 34 years and counting of our, of our married life together. So I go back to those things, and, and, and that's just one of so many examples that I can give. But as it relates to Christmas, that's a kind of a special Christmas, our first Christmas. And I remember that. So I, I want to ask you, so I kind of prime in the pump here, what are some things that you can be grateful for? You know? You may have some memories of Christmas or some other things, but the fact is, is that it's, it's important for us to keep them in the front of our minds, to never forget them. What are some things that we can be grateful for with our spouses, with our children, with our uh, uh, siblings, and with our parents, and uh, you know everybody that we're connected with in that way, aunts and uncles and cousins, co-workers, church members, folks like that in our community. It's so important for us to not forget those things, and also actually to rehearse them. Every time I drive by that 
what used to be a food lion. I really do. I remember just about every time, oh, that's where we got the tree. I just remember, those are, those are signs for me, and there's different places. How many knows what I'm talking about? There's different places, different times of the year, different things that you look at, and you go, oh, I remember that. And those are good to keep in front of us, to help us remember that there's some good things. There's some things that we can be grateful for to the Lord. It's a gift from God, those things. We remember them, we reflect on them, whatever they are, and it produces gratitude towards, towards God. And it helps really push back the ugly Christmas sweater stuff, and... Uh, and it helps us to have better thoughts. So I, I, I know you can think on the ugly things, but why in the world would you want to choose to be grumpy? There's plenty of that out there. Stop choosing to think on the bad things and choose instead to focus on the good things. The grumpy stuff, the bad stuff's always going to be there, but it doesn't mean you need to dwell on them. And we go back to our text, whatever. Think on the whatsoever's. Find your gratitude in those things and they'll produce joy. Rewire your minds. To the one thing, to the main thing, and it'll eventually spill out into your words and motives and actions. So for the beginning of the series, I want to give you some homework as we wrap this up today. I want to invite you to take some reflective time to consider all the reasons that you have to be joyful. Just write that down. That's my homework. Pastor told me I got to do this this week. I'm going to be grumpy about it, but I'm going to do it. No. Write it down and say, all right, I'm going to find out some good things this week. I'm going to reflect on some good things. That's my homework. I'm going to think on the good things. And that's going to help you to rewire your minds. Don't just think about them, but begin to thank Him for it and rejoice in Him for it. And and, and fully embrace this Christmas season for all that it is and all that it could be, not the trappings of the things outside of you, but let it start in here, and that way you'll look at the events that are coming up in a different way. Uh, Take time today and reflect on the blessings of God in your life, all of His benefits. Uh, uh, Let me prime the pump a little bit more more and ask you uh, as we close this thing out. Chris, you can come on up, but I want to just have you holler out something here. I'm not going to bring the microphone up to you, but what are some things? You're probably thinking about it right now and say, oh, I can't wait, I get to say this. Holler it out. What are some things that you're grateful for? Family. What else? Huh? Talk it loud. My wife. What else? My son. What else? Music. What else? My health. What else? My grandmother. What else? Children. What else? My country. What else? Life. What else? My home. What else? My church. What else? My church. Again? Huh? My future. What else? My pa- well, thank you. My pastor, what else? <laughs> Finally! <laughs> Man, I wasn't sure if I was going to make it on that list, but thank you. <laughs> There's going to be an extra thing of goodies in your stocking. What else? My salvation, what else? Friends, what else? You see, there's so much, right? That we can be thankful for. Yes. My Bible, yes, amen. All of these things and more are things that we can be grateful for, right? And it's good to hear those things. So make a list, make it, check it twice, and don't let there be anything naughty. Let it all be nice, right? And be grateful to the Lord for the things that He's blessed us with. Yeah, but I don't have this, and I don't get that, and I got that. All right, give it to the Lord. Cast your cares to the Lord. Stop complaining about it and give it to Him. 
and think on the good things. And let's be grateful because that's going to come out in what we say and what we do and in our motives. Oh, God help us in that. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? Father, I pray that you'd help us to think on the good things and to be thankful. I pray, God, that you'd help this one little thing. Maybe this one little thing could help us light up our Christmas like never before. Lord God, our ugly thoughts or where our ugly words and motives and ugly actions are originating, we don't want that. We thank you, Jesus, that the main thing that we can focus on is the good news of Christ. Your birth, Lord Jesus. Lord, that one thing should never allow us to entertain any ugly thoughts. Let that be that starting point for us, Lord God, to develop an attitude of gratitude because, God, you are so very good. Father, help us to make that list this week of all the good things in our life and to focus on those whatsoever, those good things. That we would write them down, that we would rehearse them, that we would think on those things. Lord, as we do, Lord, I pray that you'd help it, help it, to, help it to let joy bubble up inside of our hearts. Help it to let us to, to, to help us to change our perspective uh, and, and not look at the glass half empty, but the glass half full. And, and, and I pray, God, that as we do that, that it would help us to, that it would change the, the way that we act out and interact with people and influence others this Christmas season. Lord, we want to make a difference this year and in order to do that we've got to change in our minds and our hearts and this inward stuff it all comes out eventually the stuff that's the ugly stuff inside and lord while this is a joke these ugly christmas sweaters it's really a outward indicator of kind of what's going on in some of our hearts today we laugh about it and think it's kind of funny and it is but lord what's not funny is the ugly stuff that we entertain Forgive us, O oh God. Help us to think on the good things, to rejoice in you always. And again, I say, help us to rejoice. Father, if we are wired the other way, rewire us today. Please. Please, Lord God. But all the pressure and all the influence and all of the... All of the stuff that's around us that says Christmas is all about all this other stuff Lord help us to focus on the main thing of you and to let that be our place our starting point of rejoicing but we keep our minds fixed on our thoughts fixed on and Father we give you all of our grumpiness all of our ugliness all of our negativity all of our stuff that's there that comes out in so many ways forgive us oh god and make us more like you we're not going to be perfect in this but we sure want to strive to be more like you and less like us let this be an opportunity those things that come our way to be uh opportunities to grow in you yeah so father take help us to take captive our thoughts to cast them down and to replace them with the things of your word the good things, your promises, your blessings, and help us to walk in gratitude more so than ever before. We love you, Jesus. 
And we thank you, Lord God, for this service today, for what you've done here. Lord, as we contended for souls today, contended for our healing and, and for you to intervene in lives, and we're not going to take no for an answer. Yes, our heart breaks for these loved ones that are not serving you. Father, we thank you that you're doing things in the heavenly, in the spiritual realms right now. You're, you're working on hearts right now of our loved ones that are breaking our hearts because we know that if the rapture were to take place today, they wouldn't go. Father, may, may we continue to contend for those souls and to not give up, to not lose hope, to not be in despair, but to declare salvation, household salvation, household salvation for our family. And God, let as many people go as possible. Let all of our loved ones be caught up in the air when the rapture takes place. And we thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, for this day. We thank you, Jesus, for being with us. Now, Father, we've had church here today. Help us to go out and be the church. Let it begin as soon as we say amen. Let it be that we can interact with people even in this facility that you've allowed us to worship in, this beautiful sanctuary, your house. Lord, let us interact with one another here and encourage one another here and to be grateful here and kind of strengthen and build up that muscle in us, that spiritual muscle, so that we go from this place we can... Not do it in our own strength, but with your Holy Spirit empowering us that we can do this in the people that are kind of maybe some a little more challenging to love and to deal with. But Lord, let, them, let us see them through your eyes and uh, love them like you love them. We thank you, Jesus, for these things. And everybody said amen. amen.